from Thomas Edison State University. This is Edison Soundstage. Welcome to the President's Studio on Edison Soundstage. Listen as Thomas Edison President Meredith Hancock discusses wide-ranging topics with expert guests in areas like women in leadership, diversity and inclusion, planning for a 21st century workforce, building a better capital city, and everything in between from the perspective of a university president. Great, thank you and welcome everyone. We appreciate you joining us today um, on our continuation of Thomas Edison's 50th anniversary. We're in the quarter where we're celebrating our volunteerism, community-focused work, which also happens to uh, coincide with National Volunteer Week, which was established in 1974. So given that we were established in 1972, we think the 70s were a pretty good decade. Um, and so today with us, we have four panelists, two are Thomas Edison alums, one is a current Thomas Edison student, and one is a Thomas Edison employee. Each of these panelists embody the community service spirit each and every day to their professional work and personal commitment. So I'm gonna take a moment to introduce them and then we're going to get into a discussion with the four of them. Jennifer Hutchinson, if you can wave. Jennifer serves as a chair of the local Burlington and Camden board of directors for the United Way of Greater Philadelphia and Southern New Jersey, that's a mouthful. She also sits on the board of trustees at Thomas Edison State University as our very active student trustee volunteering her time and offering the invaluable perspective of our students to the governing body of the university. Gabriella Mendoza. Gabby has been actively involved and, and engaged in her community, both personally and professionally over the years, giving her time to numerous organizations, volunteering with her alma mater, and now serving in the role of community engagement coordinator at Thomas Edison. In her position, she helps build connections between the university and the surrounding community. She is pretty much our eyes and ears in the community, I think is safe to say. Melody Ward is an alumna Thomas Edison. She works at the Center for Family Services, which operates more than 70 community-facing programs, among them the Services Empowering the Rights of Victims or SERVE program. She and fellow SERVE members routinely provide crisis intervention counseling, connection to resources and professional support to victims of sexual violence, domestic abuse, and human trafficking through the program's 24-hour hotline, virtual support groups, and emergency shelters. DJ Welch is also a Thomas Edison alum. DJ grew up in Trenton and worked as a social worker helping the youth in the city. He remains involved today, joining in an initiative dedicated to restoring the historic Locust Hill Cemetery, the largest African-American burial ground in Trenton. DJ now works as an operations manager at the Amazon site in Florence, where he is also community liaison and a leader in Amazon's Black Employee Network. Thank you to all of our panelists. My first questions are going to be designed to get to know each of you a little bit better. So each of you, you roll up your sleeves, you get involved and you act as a force of good in your own community. But that expression of service looks quite different across your various scenarios. So starting with Melody, tell us a little bit about what brought you to your position at CERVE and how, and how that work plays out. Hello. So I started out as a volunteer for SERVE. Um, I was actually provided that information for, by a fellow coworker um, when I was just 
I was actually starting my um, starting as a human service student, working on my associate's degree. And I just wanted to see what I could do with my degree. And someone just mentioned, oh, you would probably be a good fit as a volunteer. So um, that volunteerism led to, I just, the first activation that I went on, which is where you're meeting someone in crisis, um, I just felt like that was a purpose of mine. So I wanted to just do more of that work. Great, great. DJ, you're the community liaison at Amazon. Tell us what that means and how it brought you back to Trenton recently with the Locust Hill Cemetery Project. Uh, yes, yeah, so I've actually, uh, each Amazon location has a community liaison and it's somebody that's really passionate about um, establishing good um, relationships in the community, implementing good neighbor practices such as noise reduction, uh, traffic, uh, light, um, um, letter, those kind of things, as well as um, getting to know the other immediate needs in the community. So um, I've been with Amazon for eight years. And prior to that, I was a social worker in the city of Trenton and always had that passion for people. And my site noticed that and provided me a platform to be able to go out there and engage with the community and find out what are those needs um, outside of the things like I brought up, such as noise and, um, and traffic complaints. Um, what are the other things that are needed in the community, such as uh, first responders uh, may need uh, PPE or uh, local fundraisers or supporting local businesses. So there's not a single thing that we have turned away and we continue to work uh, every day to, to make better relationships in the community. Fantastic. So Jennifer, you serve on the board of United Way with um, at the local level. United Way is also a national or rather really international, I guess, organization with extensive reach and name recognition. How does your work on the local board help bring that national perspective down to the specific needs of your local communities? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, it's interesting, United Way obviously has a phenomenal network. And um, I think a lot of its strength is in um, having a formula and a lot of resources and infrastructure around um, really a lot of it's around ending intergenerational poverty and um, and just really helping um, bridge the gap of inequity and make sure folks have what they need to be successful in life. And I think the thing that we've learned is it's really the challenge and change really happens at a community level. So bringing together public, private sector, individual um, you know, donors and volunteers and, and the nonprofit sector together is really the best blend to make that happen, but it, it really has to happen within the community. So um, you know, each, each board and, and area kind of engages and, and builds a degree of intimacy and, um, and collaboration with others um, at a local level. And I'm really happy to be a part of that. Fantastic. So Gabby, you came to the university with a history of volunteerism and a commitment to giving back to the community. You're also in a unique position in that you joined Thomas Edison in the middle of the pandemic. How have you seen the impact of the pandemic and living and working virtually change the ways in which we engage with the community? For sure. So, you know, overall volunteering and community work demands that you be adaptable, right? It's kind of like our responsibility to be responsive to what's happening in the world around us so that way we can best serve the communities we live in. I was part of a larger university initiative to partner with other community organizations to bring two vaccine clinics to Trenton, which of course was in direct response to what our local community needed at the time. 
And I, of course, it was incredible to see people come together to provide support. But honestly, it wouldn't have happened if we didn't think outside of the box. We didn't put ourselves in those positions to create, you know, awesome alternatives. And I think overall, TSU is invested in being a strong anchor in the city. But like you said um, earlier, it's my job to be the eyes and the ears in the community so that we can be as effective as possible. So I think, you know, it's just really important to align the mission of the university with the needs of the community so that way we can have a really meaningful impact to serve those around us. And, and I think that's such such a great um, a great piece. It's one of the things nobody goes into community work if if you can't you don't last long if you can't move if you can't flow if you can't go with it. Um, so as, as we've been adjusting to the changes, I'm right away going to go off script from questions because that's that's where the conversation leads us. But a couple of pieces have come up with this. Um, as we look at the pieces um, and start with uh, its role of business and community, I, I know uh, each of you hit on it in, in different ways. Um, how we respond? How do we how do we come together? And and I don't and I'm opening this for anyone who has a thought around it. But when you're out there in the field, how do you bring that home to your organization? How do you help people bring it to life? It's something that does become organizational pride and passion. Um, for one, it's just getting a list of uh, concerns and needs out there in the community and keeping a log of those so that you can always revisit them because what is attractive to one group uh, or one set of leaders may not be as attractive to another set of leaders. So um, we have seven affinity groups within Amazon, um, which all have um, all work to assimilate and um, different protective statuses and in, in, in the uh, building and they all have immediate com community needs as well. So it's coordinating with those leaders to find out what their passions are and what their immediate focuses are for the month. Once you get out into the community and get an idea of what those um, uh, needs are and when you bring them back to the site, you have to sell them on the importance of, of that need. So and for Locust Hill in particular, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know about Locust Hill, it is a cemetery in Trenton uh, that is in disrepair that has 10 Civil War veterans, Black veterans um, from the Civil War era. And there's also another 190 individuals buried there and with no grave marker, no memorial um, or any um, significance uh, listed there for that location, as well as um, they're trying to open a Black History Museum at that very same location. So why not be a part of history? I went back to my leaders in the Black Employee Network and said, hey, the city doesn't truly have its own independent Black History Museum here. Why not get a part of history and um, let's move forward on that as well as let's bring some honor to those veterans, you know, that put their lives on the line, um, you know, during the Civil War era. And I assume you've gotten takers then, right? You've, people have said, wow, we do, that is, we do care about that and we do want to right that wrong. We want, we want there to be that legacy. Yes, yes, absolutely. So I, I worked with uh, throughout the state, um, we have what's called the One New Jersey Coalition. So it's a network of Amazon locations across the Garden State, and we pull resources together and uh, try to make, um, you know, we try to target what our uh, specific focuses are for the month. 
um, Black History Month in particular coming up as we were looking for that sponsorship for Locust Hill. I was able to coordinate a $10,000 donation between multiple Amazon locations. And this was just through the budgeting from our Black employee networks. And um, it was also a partnership announcement where we were bringing volunteers there to continue to clean up. In fact, there's actually a, a volunteer cleanup tomorrow at one o'clock at that very same location. Um, so this is a long-standing relationship. It's not just as, as you know, a quick, just, you know, sending a check and then that's it and we move on about our way. But we want to really see this through uh, to the end. Yeah, I, I love what you said, DJ. Um, I think um, there's a, a sense of appealing to folks' moral obligation and a sense of higher purpose that, um, you know, something like the pandemic creates so much opportunity for. Um, and I, I think it's a, a really healthy blend of, um, you know, appealing to folks to leverage their individual strengths and then to an organization that can do it at scale too. So, and, you know, for Gabriella, your, um, your ability to make it win-win in, you know, experience for students and also serving the needs of the community. I think wherever you can find that with a business or a group of individuals, I mean, to me, I, I found a lot of success in that. Um, I can actually add to that as well. Um, thank you for that, Jennifer. Um, I think that's something that I think about um, kind of going off of what um, both DJ and Jennifer said is that sometimes community workers have the ability to, to see a, a big picture really well. And so I think that we have to be um, kind of like the middleman of getting that big picture um, relayed to the rest of the community. Sometimes you have to help your, com your community see that big picture. So I think that what you, what you all said was extremely important. For me, it's um, being the liaison between um, the volunteers and for um, Center for Family Services and for in bigger, the broader sense in JCASA, which um, put together the format for all of the rape crisis centers in the state of New Jersey. So I would do one-on-one -on -one conversations with the volunteers to make sure that they that we're getting information from them, making sure that they're okay, but also taking into consideration the things that they can give, provide us being in the community that can make our organization a better organization. All of you are clearly, clearly very committed because it's easy to say I'm going to volunteer and I'm going to feel good because I'm going to go pack food bags one day this week, or I'm going to go help serve a meal Thanksgiving and feel good. Um, but you're all in the, uh, in the business where it's got to keep, you've got to see the real work. Somebody's got to take ownership. So volunteerism to you is, it's a job. And how do you, um, you know, Melody, I'm a CASA and, and I have my times where as a university president, I still get very, very frustrated because I can't make the system move. I can't make things as right as I want to make them. And how do you balance that, um, that passion, that interest, and make sure that you don't get burned out, that you, um, you know, for me, I happen to work out. That's my thing to kind of burn things off. But what do you do to say, okay, I'm mad, I'm frustrated, I'm not getting the resources I want or the responses I want. I'm not um, able to change things as quickly as I want, whatever the piece is. How do each of you go about your own personal self side of um, self-regeneration? Since the pandemic struck, I did not have a real self-care plan. I had um, things that I would do that I thought would make me feel better. 
Um, but I realized how much of, I had to work on resiliency throughout all of this, um, being able to bounce back and to be able to reflect. And I also had to really work on an emotional self-care plan. How can I, what can I do on a day-to-day -day basis if nothing else is available um, for me to be able to sit with myself and be able to work through this so that I don't get compassion fatigue or burnout. Um, and what that was for me as meditation and working out and also having coworkers that I could talk to and um, in supervision that I could talk to invent without um, be, without breaking confidentiality, but just someone that you can talk to and let them know how you're feeling so I can get that off of my chest. That really worked well for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I always think that it's important to um, take care of yourself and your mental health in general, but of course, especially when you're working with, you know, at-risk populations. I think one thing that I realized is that sometimes it can be really difficult um, and you can take some of those feelings home with you and that worry home with you, as you mm. mentioned. I think that there's so many times that I've gone home after having conversations with um, community members who had really intense obstacles that they were dealing with at the time. And I felt like there has to be something else I can do. What else can I do? I need to do more, even though I know that I've exhausted all of my options or that I did everything that I could have done. And I think in general, community workers are visionaries, right? So I think it's important to really, you know, we're able to see the big picture. We're able to, to know that what we want for our communities and, and we have this huge vision of what we want to see for our communities. But it's important to really just like take a deep breath, meditate, right? And take it one day at a time, take it one person at a time, one community at a time and really take the time to sit back, reflect on the work that you've done so far. It is okay to, to you know, give yourself a little pat on the back. I think reflecting on the work that you've done so far is really important because sometimes all we see in front of us is how far we have to go and not how far we've come. So yeah, you know, you can't, you can't pour from an empty cup. We all know that. So that's what I have to say on that. Um, just celebrating small wins to your point, Gabriella. Um, there is, uh, there's so much to do. We have very lofty goals and it's important to keep them in focus. But if we don't take a moment to celebrate, um, like to me, that's the thing that gets me excited. Look at, look at what we have achieved. Um, I agree on the self-care plan. This was uh, an interesting thing at the beginning of the pandemic, several months in, um, just realizing that I needed to be more aware of how I was feeling um, to the extent that like, finding moments that um, I could be intentional about when to deal with the things that maybe I wasn't feeling so great about. You have to be aware and acknowledge them. You have to hopefully choose when to deal with it in a, a healthy time and then do it in a healthy way. Um, I'm not great at consistency with working out on things, but I, um, I found a little bit of a pandemic hobby that was a good distraction. And um, but the one thing I think, Melody, that you said was just, um, you know, being able to connect with other people. There's a level of self-accountability that when you're starting to be a little bit vulnerable with other people and tell them how you're feeling, they can keep you honest about it. And I found that to be a really, really helpful thing. Melody is very spot on with um, taking care of your mind, body, and soul. Um, at one point, I was very young and I was working at the Trenton Family Preservation House on Perry Street and dealing with quite a bit of issues uh, from my from my clients and just circumstances and life issues that they had. And I remember bringing that home and that quickly led to my burnout. Um, so now, fortunately, I'm part of a huge network um, at Amazon. So um, whenever I'm starting to feel like that, where I'm being overwhelmed by all of the, um, you know, day-to-day -day asks that I'm um, 
I'm required to complete as well as the community needs. Um, it's just to speak out or try to delegate, you know, if you have people in your org um, that are just as passionate about it, you know, just why not reach out and get them to be a part of it and let's celebrate these wins together. Now I'm going to go to the other side and, I, and I'm keeping that passion fatigue because I do think that's, um, you know, we, we all get energized by doing good work, but then there's also that side of, um, you know, of, of passion fatigue. So I'm going I'm to steal that phrase there. So thank you. How about the other way? I know it feels like there's so many opportunities to volunteer, but it's actually a little bit, I find, of a closed environment. It's hard to break in to, to being really a vested volunteer sometimes. What advice do you have um, to people who say, can't, you know, prof I'm going to say professional volunteerism is new to me. Being a volunteer that, that an organization can count on, who's going to be the one who repeatedly is making things happen. People are trying to learn how to get into that role, to do that. Any um, words of advice on how you, how you go about that and also how you maybe date a, um, a community service or volunteer activity the same way you would date a job proposal. You know, how you look for alignment and skill match and passion match. Um, by using your, your network. Everybody that we talk to on a day-to-day -day basis is part of our network. So talking to someone and, and letting them know your interests and maybe they, they may know um, of a, a good fit for you to, to start. And then contacting that organization, a lot of times it's available online for you to receive those, the information about volunteering for a particular organization or calling um, and, let, and seeing what they may need. I know um, volunteering, like even for an organ, a large organization, it may not be um, you going and like filling out an application and actually being a um, full-time volunteer with them, but it could be maybe they they need hats for um, children in the winter, and you're really good at knitting. So then you can just call the organization, speak to um, supervisor or someone that works there, and see what their needs are. And maybe you can volunteer in your way, the particular way that you want to to contribute to the organization. So much of this aligning passion and skill is the most important starting point. I mean, you can find a way to contribute to something that aligns with almost any interest now. Um, and I mean, whether it's knitting, you can do so much from home um, for those who aren't as comfortable going out in, a, um, you know, in public as much after the pandemic. But um, I think just asking questions and, um, you know, you don't have to jump right into the deep end with a board commitment. You can do an event level commitment or an ad hoc commitment just to get to know the organization, let them get to know you, make sure it's something that um, you're really interested in, and then, you know, find ways to contribute more meaningfully, um, you know, to a level that's um, what you're looking for. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, DJ. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, I would say just start small, you know, um, don't overwhelm yourself seeing what other big organizations or big groups are doing. Um, go door to door. Um, we have social media as well as the internet at our fingertips. So you can always get contacts 
um, and just send out emails and see what kind of response you get. You never know. And then after time, you're going to eventually build that network up to the point where you're going to need your own team to be able to um, address all of these things. So while you're out in the community, even if they're not speaking up, take a look at the ops, observe the area. Maybe there's some sort of, you know, repair that's needed. Maybe there's some sort of supplies that are needed that they're not speaking to and surprise them, you know, and a lot of times that can um, lead to a, a great um, reception as well as leading to other um, potential opportunities in the future. I agree, DJ. I was kind of going to say something, you know, to that, um, to that. I think that, you know, you need to start in your, in your smaller community sometimes, you know, most times you'll find that there are others in your community who may want to get involved, but don't know how either, just like you. Um, I think sometimes when it isn't obvious though, what you can do to get involved, you might actually be finding out that there is a need there. I think that if it's sometimes there's a need there in the community that, that no one has really gotten to yet and that you can be that architect and creating something great and creating something new. I think all, you know, it's always good to try and, you know, better your community. It doesn't really hurt to put yourself out there and you actually will be surprised by the response you get. So I think whatever it is, you go for it. And, and I do have to say, uh, DJ and Melody, I'm sorry, because we've just done this in the past couple of years, but one of the things we've done at Thomas Edison is uh, we we're designing a pathway for people in their capstone. They can, um, they can do projects with the community organization and show how they're applying their learning to the project and leave the community organization with something completed while also completing their academic requirements and demonstrating their knowledge. So it's, it's an exciting piece that we've started playing in a bit of the conversation uh, that I've heard with that. Nice. Um, and, and speaking on that, I, what advice would you have for folks? Um, you know, how do you, how do you get the most personally, not just from filling your passion, but most personally from, um, from volunteering? building professional networks, resume growth, um, other ideas on if you were to make a 30 second commercial for why volunteer? It's uh, doing the right thing. Um, many of us, if you know one circumstance in our life had happened, we could be very much in the same shoes as you know the people and the populations that we're trying to help. So it's in the best interest of the entire uh, country, our support systems to make sure that everybody is as self-sufficient as possible. That way we can continue to shift resources and, and try to create that utopia. You know, We're human beings and there's always gonna be that, that error and human element of it, but why not strive for perfection and try to create you know, the best type of society we possibly can. I love that, um, DJ. I, I would agree and, and definitely say that there's no wrong way to do something right. If your intention is to be a great person um, and you go out there and you do a little bit of good every day, then someone is going to benefit from that. There's nothing um, that can go wrong with that. So I would definitely say get out there and, and, and try. And if that's, you know, you find what you're doing isn't fitting for your values, go and you try something else, but it just makes the world a better place. I think there's the the altruistic um, getting the most out of this where, you know, you're contributing to society and you're kind of filling your personal tank from it. I also think that there's there's nothing wrong with leveraging this as a way to build your professional network and, you know, use it as a catalyst for your career. Um, I, 
I'm so grateful. Um, my um, work with United Way led to an opportunity at a point that I was ready to um, look for something outside the organization I was with. My search um, ended up just being a conversation that's led to a career that in 11 years has had seven promotions and in a company that I absolutely love. And, um, you know, I was fortunate that just sitting across the board table for, you know, a couple years um, from someone was enough to, to create that opportunity. And I wasn't looking for it. Um, so I really, I mean, for anybody that's looking to build their professional network, I think there are so many things that can come from it that are unexpected while you're doing some good in the world um, that, you know, it just, uh, it's just one more way to create an opportunity for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's in, in regards to, you know, building your professional networks and stuff like that, I think that, you know, really volunteering has been really the entire scope of my network for the most part. Um, I, I could probably even go as far as saying that it's kind of like the foundation of my network. I think, you know, I've been volunteering since I was a child and I've had the opportunity to meet so many professionals and connect with so many communities that I wouldn't have been able to connect with otherwise. And I think that it didn't only put me in a greater position to further my career, but it also gave me the chance to create beneficial relationships with organizations that I have worked for and in the roles that I have filled as well. You know, those, those connections I take everywhere with me and I, and I hope to use those connections to benefit, you know, the organization that I'm working for, the, the place that I'm working for. So, so yeah, I agree. And I have to say, you're all lifelong learners, or you wouldn't be associated with Thomas Edison. Um, you know, my own thought, when we all come with our lens, we all have our, which is built on our own life experiences. And, and DJ, your comment of we, we are all one step away from our world being very, very different. And, and one of the things I've found with volunteerism, and I've done it myself in different areas, as I said, I'm a CASA now, I um, had spent a fair amount of time with Special Olympics, but the, the lenses you see, the, the growth, the understanding of our world that you get, um, to me, I think adds so much to your professional value. And I say professional value just because you have a broader sense of how the world works. You have a broader sense of um, what people's lives are like. Certainly when, um, when the pandemic hit, and DJ, I can't tell you how much we all appreciate the fact that the Amazon trucks kept running. But uh, everybody, because that, that in many ways was brought life to us in, in a lot of different ways. I know that seems very consumerism, but it, it kept us in touch a bit. Um, but we all had to think about different people's lives. We all had to think about how this impacted, um, impacted different perspectives. And for in my own personal case, my volunteerism is something that really helped me have depth with that. To say it's not just how I've experienced life, it's how other people are, are engaging in this pandemic, maybe in very different ways. And as a university leader, I have to make it work for all of them. And I think that's a piece that um, you can read about it, you can study it, but you don't understand, you don't understand somebody else another path until you until you do it. And DJ, I'm even going to bet if you start researching um, some of the folks buried, some of the war heroes buried in Lotus Hill, you're going to find some some stories that you just won't forget. You know, they're they're going to resonate on the path that they took. In volunteerism, 
how do you know when we talked about passion fatigue some, but how do you know when it's time to change? Is it easier to figure out when to change a job than it is to figure out when to change from one area of service, maybe to another? All part of like um, scale uh, impact. Obviously everybody needs something, you know, out in the community and depending on what needs are more pressing, that's where you should be trying to pivot to, but also not forgetting about those organizations, the smaller ones and their needs. Um, that is why it's 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 uh, essential to keep a log of everything that, every interaction that you have out in the community. Keep a log of it so that you can go and revisit it because people will remember if you forgot about them and you didn't return back or uh, didn't even try to address uh, the concerns that they have. And then delegation as I well previously, like if it's, if you are focusing on something that is a major impact uh, or is major in scale um, that somebody else can really take ownership of the lower level um, needs that are out in the community and be able to, so that we can at attack it all from, you know, all different perspectives and um, different individuals. So we all share in the successes and wins in the community. I don't know that there's a right answer. Um, I mean, I, I think that there's definitely a degree of is, is the thing that you're volunteering for, are you able to contribute meaningfully to it and make an impact? And then, you know, how, how is it, um, you know, impacting you as a person? Um, is it an opportunity for you to grow, to fill your tank, um, to connect with other people in a way that you feel good about? Um, if either one of those things is a no, or if they're both a no, I mean, I guess the one, the one um, piece of advice I would say is don't, don't hang on because you feel obligated to. Um, and, you know, there are ways that you can softly exit um, and not feel terrible about it. You know, bring others in to be able to backfill behind you. Um, that helps create continuity and also an opportunity for you to move on. So, you know, be thoughtful about how you disengage. Don't um, leave something hanging. But um, I think it's healthy. You know, sometimes a job change, a relationship change, um, you know, it, it kind of um, fulfills both of those lines in a way. Um, you know, it can be healthy, but just done, done thoughtfully. Yeah, I agree, actually, um, both with Jennifer and DJ, I think that at the end of the day, we all have a purpose, right? And for me, personally, every time that I did any sort of community work, or any time that I volunteered, you know, it kind of helped me get closer to my own life's mission. You know, we all have that mission inside of us that is outside of just our jobs, outside of just our organizations. And I think that um, volunteering in community just helps us get closer and closer to really understanding what that is for us. So, you know, sometimes, you know, you do have to move on, but just make sure you're, you know, you're always, you're always at least thinking of the, the, the place that you were once or, or the organization you were with once. You know, it doesn't hurt if you hear about something new out in the community that may benefit the last organization that you were working for and, you know, and then you connect them. Um, so I hope that makes sense. But yeah, that's how I feel about that one. I would, I would agree as well. Um, when you're no longer growing, that's probably when it's time to move on. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a something bad that happened with the organization. It just may mean that um, you've gotten what you needed out of it. And, and so if you're not longer growing, then it's not gonna, you're not gonna be beneficial probably to that organization as well. So um, 
like everyone else said, just giving, letting others know about the organization and making recommendations and also providing feedback. Even if you're not, you're no longer volunteering, you can still, if you, you hear about something that could be done better um, with the volunteer program or the program in general, giving um, the supervisor a call, the volunteer coordinator a call and letting them know so that they can make those changes so that the, the organization can continue to thrive even with you moving on. I've been lucky I've moved. That's when I've kind of changed. Okay, well, I'm moving. Let me try something new in this new area and I'll learn. I really, really like the idea of, of thinking beyond you, of how do you backfill? How do you bring people in um, so that everybody can stay alive and moving through different opportunities and different investments? Um, and it may, be, it may be an opportunity sometimes to say, I need to step back or maybe I need to do something a little bit different for you for a while. You know, I, I need to kind of, uh, regenerate myself. So I need to step back and I'll, I'll help with bookkeeping or I'll help with, um, you know, writing or doing things like that, that you may need. So, so I appreciate those comments. And, and it is interesting because keeping a strong relationship, I think is always, always a key piece. And that, and that really helps then I think the organizations keep their network strong. So how have any of you, Jennifer, you gave the example of kind of using, um, you know, that your volunteer service played right into your, kind of serendipitously into your career. But how are you aware, either with yourself or with somebody else, where volunteer service may have really played into their academic or professional trajectory? I think if I look back to the building blocks of it, there's a degree of network. And, you know, I think something that you said a few minutes ago um, really matters a lot. There's, there's just the exposure of it and the network, but I think there's a lot of learning that comes through it. Um, learning perspective, learning thought leadership. Um, if you tend to be in a role that um, isn't dealing with um, folks outside your organization and, and is kind of insular and looking within, sometimes um, you lose a bit of perspective and being able to connect with someone outside your walls who you know, their companies operate differently. They have, you know, a different culture within, um, you know, it's just, it's helpful to, to gain that. Um, certainly, I mean, it can create opportunities within your business, but opportunities for yourself. And I think, um, I think sometimes when we're thinking even about our own careers, we tend to be, um, like, I mean, even for me at times, I kind of look within my business, like, okay, who can I network with? Who do I need to have a relationship with? Who do I need to learn from? And just being intentional about a, a level of curiosity with folks that you meet and how they're contributing um, in the community and seeing, you know, how can I marry something that is, is helpful for me in my career and helpful for the community so that, um, you know, there's, it's win-win really. I believe, Gabby, you said you'd been volunteering basically your whole life. Um, how do, for those of us with kids, grandkids, nieces, nephews, um, kind of those that are in your family or those that you've just kind of brought into your family, how, how do you think you introduce um, children to a sense of what I want to call responsible volunteer, responsible volunteerism, the commitment to it that how do you introduce children to that sense that it um, that they can really make a difference? Yeah, I actually really love this question. Um, so uh, 
for me, I, I've always had a, a, a mother who has been very open and, and honest with me about um, life in general and community. My mom is actually a community worker herself. She's a director of community programming um, at a nonprofit organization in North Jersey. So she has always kind of had that lens um, that, you know, that community lens that has always helped me in understanding um, the, the depth um, necessary to be a community worker and things like that. But I think it's so important, you know, to be honest and open with your children. I think that's one of the things that I value the most about, you know, the relationship between me and my mother is how open she was and how real she was with me about the things that were going on. And I have a mini story, actually. Um, my mother actually grew up in extreme poverty. Um, she lived in the housing authority. Um, and her mother didn't, you know, she had 10 children. My mother was a 10th of 10 and there wasn't much food to go around. There, there wasn't much money to go around. And it didn't matter to my grandmother. My grandmother would wake my mother up early mornings and would say, listen, we're gonna go, you know, to the church, to the soup kitchen, and we're gonna go feed the community. We're doing this on Saturday and Sunday and different things like that. And at first my mom was kind of confused. She was like, what do you mean we're feeding the community? Like we need to get fed too. We're hungry too. And my grandmother would always drive through. Like, it's not just about us. It's not just about us. It's about the entire community. If you have enough to help someone out, you know, you need to make sure that you're doing that. And so I just think that it's kind of, for me, it's generational. And I think that you all have the power to make that community lens generational in your own um, in your own families by being open and honest. And sometimes that might even require educating yourself. You know, sometimes you might have to go and find out a little bit more about what other at-risk groups and, and, and um, people are, are facing on a daily basis. Your struggles may not be the same as other people's struggles. So um, just, just try and educate yourself, be as open and honest as possible with your family and your children. And, and hopefully that will, that will drive through the importance of community. Yeah, very well said, Gabriella. Uh, same thing. My mother was a domestic violence counselor for Women's Space for many years and, um, and at Catholic Charities as well. And so just being a, a child in, in those circumstances and, and seeing the populations and the impact that she was making really inspired me as I got older. So now um, I'll come across individuals within Amazon that aren't as passionate about community and I will volunteer them <laughs> to get out there and um, just try it out. And Believe it or not, you know, they come back and it's like, wow, that was really, really fun. That was great. I would love to do it again. So those kind of things just getting, you know, you got to be that spark for that for that interest. And it's either grooming them as they're young or just, you know, just kind of grab them by their hand and let's let's go. Let's see. Let's see what we can do. Um, it does. Definitely. We probably all came from similar backgrounds where we had um, influence parental figures that really just drove that that type of mentality into us. Um, and continue to give our, our children, our um, nieces and nephews and grandchildren um, that aspect of life that the world is so much bigger than your backyard. The world is so much bigger than your neighborhood. There's so many different people in this world. Um, teach cultural competency so we can know um, how to accept different people and different, different struggles that different individuals may have. Um, and, and also finding out what your, what your children's interests are because they're gonna want to, to do more, do things that interest them. So if um, they're interested in sports, maybe getting them to volunteer um, and, and that way maybe volunteering, if you have older children, having them um, coach 
to, to um, and that's something that they don't get paid for, but it it's something that the community can use. Younger children, need, they look up to older children. So just being a positive influence or maybe a mentor, but finding out what your children um, are actually interested in and, and spark that volunteering um, behavior with their interests. Great examples. And I'm to the stage now where I've got grandkids coming up, but I'm going to keep it keep it moving. And, and I do think, uh, you know, I keep going back to DJ Year, and I can't, I'm going to paraphrase it, but the idea we're, you know, we're all one change away. And um, many of us have been in communities where you realize, you know, there's not a lot of change on being on one side or the other of the food pantry, that it's, um, you know, it's one recession, one job change, one, one piece away. And the, and, and for some people it's, you know, it's, it's more permanent way of life. And how do you move beyond that? How do you, how do you work with that? I'm, I wish I could remember who I want to attribute it to. Somebody made the comment on kind of empowering people, lifting everybody up. Um, you know, a comment I, I always say at Thomas Edison is we want everybody to be a good taxpayer. We, we want everybody to be to that point, to be, um, to be able to live a sustainable life and a healthy, a healthy life. Um, and I think all of your great work really, really goes to goes toward that in so many different ways. With that, as we kind of round the corner on the end of our time, I'd like to ask each of you to share just a couple words um, about about your work and the impact it's had on your life. Um, the work has really been fulfilling for me. I remember being you know, a young social worker in the city and just trying to figure out ways that I'm going to make that impact. And I didn't have a lot of money back then. I wasn't fully educated and complete my uh, degrees yet. And just to stick with it, you know, years later, I was able to get that opportunity, you know, finally through Locust Hill and some of the other major um, initiatives we've done in Burlington and Camden counties, uh, that life has come back full circle. Even, you know, when I was attending um, Thomas Edison in the beginning, I used to read the, the spotlights and all the cool stuff that is being done um, um, throughout the university and its alumni. And I was like, I was like inspired. I was like, hope to be there one day. And just recently doing the press conference for Locust Hill and getting an email from Thomas Edison, it just really validated what it is for me. Um, as a person. And then professionally, um, my general manager and my site's HR manager brought me a community operations role for the greater Philadelphia area, um, which I just recently interviewed for a couple of days ago. So um, there are um, possibilities now opening up for me to make me do this full time instead of it just being an add-on to my regular responsibilities. I would say that um volunteering has it really enriched my life. I um, was very, I was very, very much an introvert. Um, public speaking was not my strong suit, something I would try to run away from. And um, it's, it's just crazy in the short amount of time, started out as a volunteer and ended up being a facilitator to train the volunteers and speaking in this panel, something I would have never done. Um, just, looking or being asked to to do other things that I've, I've a network of things that I would have never um, done or people that I wouldn't have spoken to before and that has all started with just volunteering 
um, as a sexual violence advocate. Um, and also with um, Thomas Edison, it has also opened up the two things together has opened up so many things for me personally and also professionally. And doing this type of work and working in a victim-centered, um, in victim-centered services has made me do more work on myself. Things that I didn't even know, but um, just making sure that my mental um, health and emotional health is always, always great. It, it can always, everybody can always do a little bit more. And I didn't know that. Those were things that I didn't take a look at um, before I started doing this work. So it, it made me a better, a more uh, mentally sound person, um, emotionally sound person doing this work. For me, I, I've been fortunate that volunteerism has kind of been a symbiotic relationship where giving to um, the community has given something back in personal fulfillment and in, you know, it's helped me professionally too. But I think um, I love the idea of it just enriching life. And for me, has given a lot of purpose. Um, there's a really great quote by Woodrow Wilson that I think for me kind of sums up, there is no higher religion than human service. To work for the common good is the greatest creed. And um, for me, this is, you know, I've found a way to apply that through leadership at work and through my contributions to the community that just really gives me a deep sense of, of purpose in my life. So I, uh, I'm, I'm grateful for what volunteerism has done for me. Volunteerism has given a depth to my life that I honestly can't even imagine without it, to be honest with you. Um, just the, the, the lens that I, that I have now, um, the way that I'm able to sit back and, and, and see the bigger picture and remove myself completely from the picture and see the picture still is, is something that I find extremely important. And, you know, I am I'm extremely grateful for Thomas Edison as well, um, because for me, the dedication and the commitment to the surrounding community, um, Trenton, um, the greater Mercer County um, area has been like so amazing. I, I've, I've just been really moved by the work that I'm able to do here and the work that I can see myself doing here um, to come. So I just think that if you're going, if you're questioning whether or not you want to go and volunteer, do it. And I will just leave with that. You know, and I have to say, we are so appreciative of each of you. We did get one question and, and I know we're almost out of time, but um, around, um, if you've been in a spot where you manage volunteers, how do you, um, and sometimes it can be feel good um, and sometimes volunteering can be very, very taxing and you can't tell who I'm looking at, but on my screen, I'm looking at Melody a little bit right now. Um, you know, the other day I came home after spending the good part of a day with my casa and there was a message um, from her that just said, I appreciate you. And I, I tell you what, it almost made me cry. I thought that was, um, and the funny thing is I thought, boy, and I appreciate you because if I'm working, she's working 20 times harder. Um, but how do you do that? If you've had to manage volunteers to help showing them the appreciation and remembering, um, to just thank them and keep them feeling good about the work they're doing. I would write, I know this sounds um, not, it doesn't sound the best, but it works, the system. Um, I would make a calendar 
a schedule of um, the volunteers that I was going to reach out to on certain days. And I would just make sure that I did it. I didn't, it wasn't a certain time, but I would make sure that I reached out to certain volunteers so that I could have a close personal relationship with each volunteer that I managed. Um, I wanted to make sure that I knew if, if they were getting surgery, if um, something great was happening in their, their lives, or if there were any, if they were going through crisis. Um, and we would just talk and like, I wanted to know how many pets they had. Um, those are things that you should know just because you're asking a lot for someone to do. Um, and you wanna make sure that, that they know that they matter too. So I, I think it's really important to make sure that you remember, try to find a way to engage and remember the little things and little tokens of appreciation go a long way. So um, we would use, if we had extra money to buy supplies, I, I would um, get journals for them to, to keep so that they can have a way to express any um, anxiety or just any thoughts in general um, to help with that. So journaling is definitely something that I would encourage if you're doing um, anything with crisis intervention. I think just understanding what others are trying to get out of it. Um, and in some cases, you know, they may be trying to grow professionally through their experience. They may have a specific goal in how they're contributing to the community. Um, and I think a degree of vulnerability and openness about your own journey. I mean, I, I didn't grow up with a lot. I had a tough childhood and, you know, helping others avoid that fate there's a lot with United Way about the way I'm contributing there that that really helps me feel like, um, you know, I'm having a positive impact at that. I want the folks that I'm leading um, through that to know and understand that, and then to understand that about them too, because at the moments where we've really got to dig in together, you know, how can you tap into that, and how can you help them achieve the thing that they're really seeking? Yes, I agree. Uh, documenting is essential. Getting to know your team. Um, I run a media business outside of Amazon, so I will often bring cameras and camera crews out to some of our community activities, and I try to make a concerted effort to make sure everybody is included uh, within that group, and then people go and see that, you know, it raises the visibility and promotion of it, as well as we utilize um, these activities to build on their resumes, as uh, Jen was saying. Um, Diversity and inclusion is huge in Amazon. So there are sections of our reports for the year that ask us like, what have we done? So I'm able to help them fill that, that void um, as long as they're willing to come out and just put a little bit of effort in, you know, we'll get them the spotlight and recognition as well as um, we have, you know, associated the month ceremonies and a lot of the community work is recognized there in those ceremonies. Yeah, I agree. I think recognition is a huge thing. I think, of course, you know, for any anybody who's working, anybody who, um, you know, is doing something, but um, especially volunteers, I think that recognition is extremely important because um, it can be draining. Like we mentioned, you know, you, you need to find ways to, to regenerate and to, you know, give yourself, you know, the, the power to push through sometimes. Um, and I think that um, it's important to just build, you know, connections with some of your volunteers or if, if you are managing volunteers um, or even some of your team, if you have employees that you, um, you know, supervise and just make sure that you're letting them know, hey, I see you um, and, and, and you're doing a great job um, and, and I can only hope to continue doing great things with you. So, well, well, thank you, DJ, Melody, Jennifer, Gabby. Thank you so much for this. I am going to put Gabby on the spot a bit and say if anybody watching 
wants to find volunteer activities, get to know the, the volunteer uh, landscape, uh, Gabby Mendoza, G Mendoza at thomasedison.edu. She is a font of knowledge and will be more than happy uh, to help, uh, help you find opportunities that fit your, um, your interests and passion. So thank you so much to our guests. Thank you for all you do. You, you obviously make Thomas Edison very, very proud. And we, we appreciate all of the differences you are making in our community. Thank you very much. And I wish everyone a great afternoon.